0: Hello, you're very welcome into NCBI's technology podcast. This is episode number 23 for April 2014. My name is Stuart Lawler. It's very nice to be back with you again, and thank you for downloading and subscribing to our technology podcast. It's a busy program this month. Hope you're going to stay with me for the next 65 minutes when we'll be talking to Emma Tracy, who attended the CSUN Assistive Technology Exhibition in San Diego. Dave Nason and Kerry Doyle are here to talk about changes in iOS 7.1, the latest release of Apple's mobile operating system. Sam Jewell is with me from the UK to talk about the Giraffe Stand, and Derry Lawler from Dublin follows that with a demonstration of the same product. And finally, Sharon Lyons from our Rehabilitation Training Centre is reversing the tables, quite literally, and interviewing me about my use of the Microsoft Surface Pro. That's all coming up on this month's edition of NCBI's Technology Podcast. Now, before we get into what is a really packed podcast this month, a couple of announcements for you. First of all, we had great reaction to our low vision panel discussion on the March edition of our technology podcast. And if you haven't heard that one, it's probably well worth listening to whether you have low vision or not. Um, As I said in March, there were some really interesting issues that came up that for me, as someone who's totally blind, you know, I I just had never thought about before. So sincere thanks to Cahill Joyce and his panel, uh, Byron Lee, Oren O'Neill, and of course, Derville Graham for giving so selflessly of their time and being so broad in their discussion as well. It really was very good. I had a telephone call from Joe McPhillips in Wexford, who's a true gentleman and a really nice, really interesting and nice guy. We're going to have Joe on the podcast in the next couple of months because he's been doing a lot with iOS games. And uh, last year, you remember we spoke with Jackie McBriarty about this. It's something I I know very little about, uh, and it's something that I probably want to get into a bit more. So Joe is a bit of a games master, and he's going to be on the podcast in a couple of months talking to us about that. Now, if you want to get in touch with us, of course, at any time, send an email to technologypodcast at ncbi.ie. We'd love to get your feedback, comments and suggestions. And two quick dates for your diary in April. The first one on Thursday, the 10th of April, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. We're holding an informal drop-in morning with our good friends at Sight & Sound. The location is the Rehabilitation Training Centre at the back of our main building and head office. We'd all be delighted to see you, as would James Everson from Sight & Sound. He's a gentleman as well. And uh, he's going to be available to talk to and answer questions from users or potential users of Freedom Scientific, AI Squared, View Plus, and... Aftershocks and Harpo products. Um, as I say, if you want to come along, just drop in between 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. on Thursday, the 10th of April. And then on Saturday, the 26th of April, I've had a note from our friends at VIX, the Visually Impaired Computer Society of Ireland, and they are holding an EGM, an emergency general meeting, on Saturday, the 26th of April. The location again is the Rehabilitation Training Centre at NCBI in Whitworth Road. It starts at 12 noon, and the item on the agenda, the only item on the the agenda, they say, is the future of VIX. If you're a VIX member, you are strongly encouraged to attend. The meeting is only open to VIX members, and you're invited to email chairperson, all one word, at vixireland.org if you can attend. Uh, they would like to know for purposes of catering. That's Saturday, the 26th of April, 12 noon in Whitworth Road. Now, as I say, if you want to get in touch with us, technology podcast at ncbi.ie. Now, every year around this time, I wish I was in America, and specifically on the West Coast in San Diego. This year was no different when the 29th Annual Conference for Technology and Persons with Disabilities, known in the industry as CSUN, took place. Last year, you'll remember, we spoke to Emma Tracy, who was there and talked to us not only about the conference, but about San Diego. So if you want to find out what Emma thought of San Diego, go back to the March 2013 podcast. But we're delighted to have Emma joining us again from London, because she's just back from San Diego. Welcome back Emma.
1: Thank you very much.
0: How was your trip first of all?
1: My trip was great. I It was mostly a holiday for me so I did a skydive. Oh wow. Uh, I drove a powerboat, boat which was great um, and I also went to LA for the weekend which I've never done before. I've never been to LA before and I really enjoyed that so that was my, my leisure time taken care of but um, I also spent some time at CSUN particularly in the exhibition of gadgets because the even though I'm not Uh, a very big geek in terms of the innards under the hood as they say I do love my gadgets and I love what technology can do uh, and what it can help me to achieve so I was very uh, I was very at home in the exhibition
0: Okay we'll talk about some of those things in a moment before we do that uh, there's a website called curbcut.net we're going to put that on the show notes and it has a complete listing of pretty much everything that happened at CSUN and Emma I I think we were both speaking before we came on air about the idea that there was a Uh, Obviously, an awful lot of presentations at CSUN this year. I know you weren't at those, but an awful lot of stuff this year around accessibility. And some of them with, and certainly even looking at the titles here, some of them with a a very technical focus.
1: I think web accessibility was a really big part of this year's CSUN conference. And I've only been to one other one, but it certainly seemed to have more of a foothold this year than last year. I did look through the brochure of ses- sessions, and to be honest, there were lots of them I, I didn't quite understand, and also lots of them in the very similar areas. I mean, one of the things I was interested in was WordPress accessibility, which seems to be coming along leaps and bounds. So that's that's really good. Um, and another thing they were talking about a lot was ARIA, and that's something I don't quite understand. I mean, there were some really interesting things, non-blind things, so there were mo- some more accessible sessions on uh, augmentative communication devices, so, and, and apps for iPad and stuff like that, which I would have really liked to have seen. Um, and there was there were also some sessions, there was a cane for the Sony Connect, which would have been uh, pretty cool to, to see and there were some some things about the Kindle fire which I would have quite liked to have have checked out as well to to kind of make the most of of that piece piece of kit as well. So it was, there were plenty of things that if I were registered for the conference sessions I would have gone to but also there was a significant number of web accessibility sessions, which would have gone over my head.
0: Yeah, and my experience of going to CSUN, because I never went to the conference part either, that if you just go to go to the exhibition, you'll certainly ha- need all the time you have just to get to see it, you know, and, and to see it thoroughly, I suppose.
1: Absolutely, yes. I, I spent a large part of my time at the exhibition. As I say, it was mostly a holiday for me, so I didn't, I didn't spend all day, every day there. But, I mean, a significant part of Wednesday... Part of Thursday and part of Friday morning, I was there. And uh, there were definitely things I still would have liked to have seen. I made a big list. I went to see everything on my list and more. But, you know, I didn't get to see uh, Eloquence on Android, which would have been nice, um, although I'm not an Android girl and I don't know much about Android. But, uh, yeah, it's it's an amazing exhibition. It's huge. It's huge. And it's very, even though the conference is billed as being a pan-disability conference, the exhibition is extremely blind and visual impairment focused.
0: Okay. We'll come back to some of the products you saw in a minute, but before we do that, just to give it a little bit of celebrity status to the whole thing, Emma, I uh, came across a story that we'll put on the show notes as well. Uh, a nice video from CNN entitled Stevie Wonder touts accessibility. Now, Stevie has been previously to uh, to LA. This was his first time, I understand, at the San Diego conference. Did you get to see him? Did you meet him?
1: Well, Stuart, in typical blind person fashion, I hadn't realised he was there, and at dinner one evening, people were all talking about the fact that he was there, and something suddenly clicked with me, that earlier on in the exhibition, I was wandering around aimlessly, which I did a lot of, and I talked about this last year, it's very, very difficult to get around by yourself, Yeah, Um, and... I heard some people talking, and then I heard someone say, "Oh, thank you so much for the picture. Thank you, thank you for the photograph. Thank you so much." And I heard a guy going, "Oh, thank you. You're you're very welcome. You're very welcome." Like two feet from me, yeah. three feet from me. So I'm going to assume that that was Stevie Wonder. Um, and I'm, you know, it's a little bit disappointing that I was standing there like a lemon while someone else was getting their photo taken, and I'm a BBC journalist, and that's ridiculous. But uh, you know, that's the way you got there. You got
0: there. So I got
1: near him I got close to him yeah. it, and it, you, you, know, you know Stevie Wonder yourself don't well, you? Well
0: it kind of reminded me of my Stevie story let's say in 2007 I was at the um, CSUN uh, event with my fiance Nadine and we were standing at the Dancing Dot stand and we were chatting with the guys on the stand and somebody said oh Stevie Wonder is here and Nadine hadn't been at the exhibition before I knew he comes so I didn't say anything she said no he's not and she said Stevie hey Stevie and the guy said yes and he was right <laughs> behind her. So, so we oh sort of, my uh, somebody said hello and we, we didn't actually get to see him. Uh, but uh, yeah. she she cracked up.
1: I think he's well, I think he's well looked after. I think uh, yeah. he has a couple of people around he him has. all the time. But the, the funny thing was like, um, one of the best things for blind people at CSUN is Twitter because you use it to to meet up with each other via direct messaging and, and, and mentions. And so there was a CSUN 14 hashtag which I followed quite a lot during the conference just to keep up to date on what was going on and and there were loads of Stevie sightings, you know, at the restaurants around the hotel and, and that kind of thing. So there was, it built up quite a head of steam, and it was quite good fun to say, "Of oh, have you seen him? Have you seen him? Were you talking to him? You know, that kind of thing." Uh, but yeah, so it, it was nice that he was there. And next year is the thirtieth anniversary of C-Sun, so hopefully he'll be there again then. Uh,
0: right. Let's talk about some of the things because you were telling me, and in fact, I saw something on Twitter about this: a new uh, book reader from Hymns and Hymns would make very good quality products we know already Mm. called the blaze emma
1: yes and this is the newer the new thing after the book sense so it's to replace the book sense which some of you will know is is quite a, a a good book reader and it does lots and lots of other stuff as well including good recording um it's called the blaze it's quite flat and square it looks more stream than book sense if you know the two it's it's quite flat the buttons are quite flat to it but not so that you can't feel it and the very the big thing that they're touting about the blaze is that it has ocr capabilities now the guy who showed the blaze to me was totally blind and he was getting excellent excellent results from the ocr but i always am a little bit kind of worried about OCR because I find it really really difficult to keep the the product so you know you've used the KNFB reader we use your iPhone sometimes to try and get some some um, scanning so OCR sorry is optical character recognition and it, what it does is it it takes a photo of a page of text and it can transfer it into from a photo into print and then read it out as speech. So that's what OCR is. So OCR is the main new thing on the Blaze, but it also does everything that the other, the BookSense could do. So it has the recording feature. It has lots and lots of file types. It has so so you can you know you can um put lots of different files on it. It also can read Word documents and things like that in speech and it has Bluetooth so apparently it will be able to get internet radio and podcasts as well. I don't think the Book Sense could ever do that. So that's the other new thing about the Blaze. We don't have a price for it because it's really, really new. The guy had only had it for a few days, he just been playing it playing with it for a few days. Um but when we have a price. I'm sure, Stuart, you will let everyone know. By yeah, that.
0: And, and I suspect normally with those kind of products, they preview or they, they would premiere at CSUN. They normally hit the market here sometime around Site Village. So it's probably when we can expect it in Ireland and the UK, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and then um, Braille machines, because I suppose we're all interested in Braille access and in, I suppose, um, affordable and portable and efficient uh, Braille access, Emma
1: well i think affordable braille access is is not available (laughs) basically there is no affordable braille access to my mind Uh, but what i did see at season because i I took quite a particular interest in braille printers um i've decided i'd quite like one in my house um but i think it'll be a second-hand model because as i say they're massively expensive so i had a good look at braille embossers this time and and what i noticed First about Braille embossers was that they're trying to make them quieter because Braille embossers are famously, Braille printers, famously very noisy. And you can hear them, you know, your neighbors can hear your Braille embosser, basically. And And in a workplace... You have to put them in a special cabinet in a room away from everyone else because they're just they just go bang 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 bang. So they're basically punching holes really hard into braille paper. So that's they're they're extremely noisy. So they're trying to make those quieter. Um, and I think it's the embraels quite an, a quiet one now that one of the M Braille ones. So the other thing I noticed was a slightly more low tech systems. And sure you, you mentioned before we came on air that they reminded you of the kind of replacements for the Mountbatten Brailler. So there's two. One was from Perkins School for the Blind, who have made our beloved Braille machines. Uh, and they, they invented the Braille machine, um, which we we call the Braille machine, but everyone else in the world calls a Perkins. Yes. <laughs> and their new Perkins is... an electronic version it's a little bit easier to press the keys down and it's a little bit quieter not significantly it's not lighter still as heavy as ever um they might say it's a tiny bit lighter but it's still not light enough to pop in a bag and carry around with you it works in that it's for small children uh or anyone learning braille really and it's like a type it has a typing tutor on it and it so it'll tell you what to write you know there's lots of games telling you which what which letters to write and then it goes into contracted braille and that kind of thing and you can braille normally on it as well but teachers can sort of have loads of different logins for it for for different people and it remembers what different people were learning and stuff like that which is which is quite good so that's their thing and the other thing i found was the electronic braille—I think I have the name of that right. Please excuse me if I don't—and it's a big plastic Perkinsy braille machine-y looking thing. Doesn't look beautiful, I don't think. I mean, I haven't asked a sighted person, but it—it's it, a big, a big thing. And um, what it does is, I think this is more the replacement for the Mountbatten. It has much easier to press down keys, but they're very quiet, where the Mountbatten was very, very loud. So you can braille on it just as you would like use it as your pen and paper. You can braille on it with your, with the keys. And you can, you can also delete stuff, which is cool. But also, the other thing you can do is you can print from a computer, uh, using it. And it's not fast. But it is it's as silent as a printer, basically. It's as quiet as a normal printer, which is incredible. But you wouldn't be printing out a book. You would print out maybe a recipe or a some some flashcards for yourself if you're studying or maybe if you were writing an article, you'd print that out to read it. Or if you were doing your homework, you print it out as well. Um, and the, not, the the other thing about both of those brailleers is you do you can do your homework on them, and the teacher can read them, read your homework, and that's a really important thing for blind kids in mainstream
2: schools.
0: Okay, uh, there was some mobile bits and pieces. You you uh, you told me off air. You mentioned you had a look, or a, I think a rather a quick look at the Kindle Fire.
1: I did. I had a quick look, and actually, I had a look at this before I before I went as well. But there's, I might as well talk about it uh, now. And it, um, I went through all of the training, the initial training that you do. You know, when you, you when you start up an Apple product, that gives you a little training regime. And I, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was usable for sure. Um, and if you wanted just a reader, I mean, it does have email and internet and stuff like that. But I can't see why I would use it instead of my iPhone because my iPhone has the Kindle app on it too. So I I don't personally see how why I would use it. But it's cheaper. That's the one thing. So if you didn't want, uh, if you wanted some things so that you could see, you know, with a bigger screen, and you couldn't afford an iPad, that's probably a very good reason to to use it. Um, and yeah, it's it's doable. It's all doable. Some of the gestures are a little bit tricky to get used to but there are like sidebars and stuff which which are quite helpful because I don't know you know sometimes with the iPad you can really really do one thing at once where there are kind of sliders where you can move stuff up and down rather than having to go into a new you know, rather than have to tap it first. So if you have a pop-up, you know, in the iPhone, you've got a pop-up button and you have to go in and then there's a slider there to, to increase or decrease a value. This slider is immediately there for you. And it makes, a, it makes a little noise as you go up and down. So you can go up and down quite quickly without having to read everything that you hit. So so that's quite cool as well. So there are little things about it that, that are good. And the other really good thing about the Kindle Fire is the SOS. No, is it called SOS. The, the button where you press a button, basically, and a tech support person pops up and says, hello, what's wrong? I didn't know and that. that so cool. Wow,
0: that, no, that, no, that, that's fantastic. I must yeah. say, I'd be like you thinking that as a totally blind user of an iPhone, I, I wouldn't have the need personally for another Kindle device because no. I'm, I'm using my Kindle app. But,
1: but we have to remember that we are, there are very, very few of us. You know, yes. very few of us. there's people much much higher number of people with some vision um, who would want something like that Absolutely. or with, with needing a bigger area to do their gestures in as well. Okay. So that's that's there. But the, can I just say again about the tech support button, we again, this is not at CSUN, on this at home, but we tested them and they're Irish actually. So we tested the the support people. I think Robin may, my husband may have rang them about, you know, five or six times. And we tested out all the, asking them all the accessibility questions. And they were on the ball. And if they didn't know something, they made it their business to find out really quickly. So really, we were, we were terribly impressed with that.
0: Top notch, yeah. You can't ask for fairer than that.
1: No. And it's an actual button. So it's not... You don't have to, you know, find a a button on the screen and and find out how to press it. There's an actual button on the
0: device. Okay, I didn't know that. That's really good to know. Yeah. Um, Now, just because when we talked about this conference last year and something that you flagged, and I certainly would have found on the time I went... It's almost more at this stage about the people and the experience of CSUN rather than just the technology, because you know you can find out about this technology pretty much anywhere now. Was yes. it the same for you this year? Did you meet lots of people? Was that a, was that a good experience?
1: It was it was excellent actually. Um, I think for people who were there for work, as I say again and again, I wasn't there for work particularly. But for the people who were there for work, they hadn't a minute to spare. They spent all of their days and nights in meetings or in less formal situations with people they wanted to talk to who will be of use to them in the, in the year between. And they, they really do do all their networking there and it's, it's super helpful for them, really, really, really helpful. But what I found for me as a sort of a slightly outsider was I met loads of the blind people that I know from Twitter, yeah. and that was very very cool. So I met you know Laura Legendary, who's accessible info, and yes. she she's such an interesting person. Um, I met Imran, who I who used to get talk around the magazine that I I produced years ago and you produced as well before me wow. and you know i met him who used to send me tape messages that was just fantastic i yeah. loved that yeah. and then i met up with a girl called jamie who i met last year so yeah it was it was really really nice to meet the people that you you know from their very clever and interesting tweets and the links they send through what i would have liked to have done was go to see the um seratech crew but i didn't do that um but yeah, so really really cool. I it gives you a great feeling you and the other thing about there being so many blind and blind friendly people in the one place is there's a there's a very relaxed atmosphere. If you're lost you're lost, you know. Yeah. And if you there you don't have to say I'm born I was born blind. Or, you know, you don't have to say, Oh yes, my dog is very good, isn't it? You never ever have to say that I didn't have the dog with me, but you never ever have to say that sort of stuff you because don't have everyone to no one cares. Yeah. yeah you know, no yeah. one cares. Yeah. It's about the tech it's a it's basically much more about, you know, do you use headings a lot when you're do, using the internet or, you know, well it's more complex than that, but you know, it's more the, technolo- the conversations are a lot about technology, actually. A lot.
0: Okay. And, and you mentioned the guys at Zero uh, Talk, even as well. Zero Talk. Uh, yeah. We should mention that they have a load of audio from CSUN available on com. We'll put that on the show notes as well. Emma, thank you so much. It's just always interesting to get a feel from someone who was there. Um, mm-hmm. I hope you're going to go back for year 30. Might even join you.
3: I will
1: <laughs> if uh, my husband can provide me with the... Uh, Air miles and things. That's what I tend to use. <laughs> right, no so pressure. If he there. does enough travelling during the year, then I'll go. <laughs>
0: okay, I'm sure he'll. I'm sure he'll work on that. Uh, yeah. Emma, thanks a so for chatting to us today.
2: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: You're listening to NCBI's Technology Podcast for April 2014, and on the 10th of March last, Apple released their long-awaited iOS 7.1, the first major update since iOS 7 was released last October. And once again, we've brought together our panel of Apple gurus. Uh, Joining me today is Dave Nason. Dave, you're very welcome back. Thank you. And NCBI's Kerry Doyle. Welcome back, Kerry. Thank you very much. So... uh, Guys, I wanna start on a I have to say I'm sorry, a negative, uh, point because I went off and upgraded iOS seven to seven point one and then I found out that, that my Bluetooth keyboard didn't work, Dave. Um, have you heard about this bug?
3: I've heard all about that bug. Thankfully I am still on seven oh six
0: on most <laughs> of my main guy. devices
3: and I just have seven point one on an iPad touch. Um, so yeah, that sounds infuriating.
0: Okay, so the, just for people so people know, the bug is that if you have a, blu- a Bluetooth keyboard of any description, it seems to be, I have an Apple one, but I've heard of people having it with, with other, like the Logitech and, and other ones, you, you go into an edit box, it doesn't allow you to, to type. There are ways around it. The, the, the little tweak I've found is hit the caps lock key, press control and any letter, then turn caps lock off and everything is fine. Kerry, um, I don't know if you had that problem or.
2: I used it for about three minutes, maybe, and got really annoyed, and then I just fixed my braille display because okay. I got annoyed. So. Okay. <laughs>
0: Uh, we, so, the, the, interestingly, and you mentioned Braille, Braille is not affected by this bug. Braille, no. Braille actually... No, thank God. Braille works, as somebody said on Twitter, the same way we know and love with all its idiosyncrasies in, yeah. a, in Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. At least they haven't yeah. changed anything with Braille. No. They still have the translation a bit all over the place, but maybe someday that will be You know what
2: it. I discovered when I, when I went to repair my display on my phone? Okay. You can actually decide what translation you want so, like, um, if you don't want UEB, for example, so if you want, like, British or um, American, you can do that.
0: That's right. So, uh, by, by default, certainly yeah. in this part of the world, yeah. Unified English Braille is, is set, set but default. you can certainly change that if you want. to So, that's
2: nice. I didn't know that. So, just in case anyone else wouldn't be...
0: Okay, before we talk about some of the general uh, tweaks and there are, uh, sorry, general improvements, and there have been many to be fair, um, Dave, we were chatting before we recorded this about the low vision experience, and mm-hmm. you were making the point that maybe for people who are using low vision and speech, there are some improvements, but for low vision on, on its own, maybe not so much.
3: Yeah, not so much improvements, but I think voiceover is still. Fantastic if you are a voiceover user, but I think if you're purely low vision and you're using things like magnification, I'm hearing more and more stories of people going to Android since seven point since excuse me, iOS seven came out because just the change in the color schemes and the I don't know, the lack of contrast is uh, is a trouble is troublesome and on Android by all kinds it's a, it's
0: a lot better for a lot of people I have a couple of friends a friend of mine who is low vision he doesn't use voiceover or zooms actually he uses some kind of uh, I guess he uses some of the larger fonts but he specifically mentioned to me and I think you had said this on our last um, previous chat on this podcast about the keyboard in iOS 11 and it's just yeah. really difficult to see
3: and they did in one of the beta if I'm allowed to talk about betas, but in one of the betas of iOS 7.1, they had uh, an option to have the dark keyboard all of the time across the board, and then that got removed and it didn't make the final cut, unfortunately. And I love the dark keyboard personally as a low vision user. Okay, so that's disappointing.
0: Kerry, there are improvements, and one of the big bugs was this screen lock. When you lock your um, screen, yeah, it would yeah. say it again. For it would if you, if you
2: just if you. Um, you could be doing anything, like especially the big thing was if you're uh, using the phone as an iPod, and if you were playing some music and you decided you needed to higher up the volume a little bit, and then after a minute it would it would say screen locked and that would be fine, and then it would say screen locked again for like no apparent reason. It was really annoying, but thankfully in iOS seven point one. Um, they fixed that bug, yeah. So uh,
3: and the one when you change the volume I think well, as well also did the screen locked thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: In, in fact I got to the point with iOS seven before seven point one of just switching off voiceover when I wanted yes. to listen to music because yeah. it was just too difficult.
2: There's been a few other bits and pieces in, in voiceover as well. Um the compact voices have got a bit of a an overhaul. Um, some to the for the betterment of, of the voices and some not so much. Um it They clip a little bit now, like where the non-compact voices will say link, and with you know, pronounce the K the non-compact versions, some of them seem to lose the ends of words which is really odd Um, they are slightly more improved and the British English compact voice is much improved, he sounded like he had something stuck up his nose last time I don't know what was wrong with him but um, (laughs) he's much improved now um,
0: Speaking of voices, if you use multiple languages, or indeed multiple voices in the same language, so British English or Australian English, you can apparently, and I, I, don't, I don't have multiple languages, so I don't know this, but apparently we, we're, we're reading, that you can change, you can set separate speech rates for each of those voices, which sounds to me could, could be quite useful because for reading text, long portion of the text, you might I prefer one voice at a I would say speed.
2: that's kind of um, trying to mirror the... Um, the Activities uh, thing in which is in the voiceover utility on Mac OS X. Okay, so mm. because they're trying to make it everything kind of uniform. Okay. So they try. are trying to do
0: that. Yeah. Buttons are correctly labelled in the uh, music app on iOS. So those fifteen-second rewind and fast-forward buttons weren't labelled when you were listening to music and the screen was locked. Uh, that that th- they have now been correctly labelled. Um, Dave, I live out of the iOS calendar, um, mm-hmm. and you've just select, so you have suggested rather to me a. a, a P- potentially better calendar app but uh, there have been some changes in the calendar on
3: 7.1 yeah they added a list feature now so I think when you're on the month view and you select a day it takes out all of the blank spots in your day and just shows you actual appointments now um which i think is something
0: people wanted and the other thing i certainly like in the notification center when you're looking at your day ahead they have again taken out all the blanks and you just Mm. see the appointments that you have and the times of the appointments start and end time um, and voiceover actually reads those pretty well any other updates or things that have jumped out at either of you guys Um,
3: there are a couple of improvements on the low vision side like button shapes so we all know that um low vision people We're finding it hard to see the buttons um, since they took that out of iOS 7 and they kind of look the same as static text but with a different colour. So they've added little grey kind of shapes around buttons if you like. It's very subtle though. And then they've improved the reduced transparency options as well and uh, you can darken colours and uh, lower the white point, that kind of thing. So just to few subtle changes so whether they'll be enough for everybody I don't know but low vision is um, a very diverse group so I'd say some people hopefully will yeah. some
0: there. Do either of you notice any performance difference with your with your phone or your device after upgrading? Any degradation mm. or, or or not?
3: I right personally it? think it's a little bit faster now yeah. and yes, um, more stable, yeah. less yeah. less crashes.
0: I, I certainly have had mm. mine crash a lot less. Yeah, mm. since I mean, seven felt very new. Mm. I, I think we said this last time we were all together as well. I've certainly found mine better.
2: Um, one thing that just has changed, just in terms of the way things. Um, look or feel or whatever when you get a phone call like the answer and decline buttons are like uh, there's an accept button now which is kind of different um, in the answer call field if you like Um, so that's kind of different Um, and there's a lot more access to it I think you were kind of saying that Stuart Like, there's a lot more access to a lot more things on the lock screen now um, in terms of music and
0: yeah, and they things definitely like that. fixed a few bugs Yeah, they've improved those. So I suppose, and, and what's interesting from that, because we talked about all these bugs, I think, the last time, I know there's been a lot of discussion on Twitter, and I'm sure loads of email lists, and, you know, that, that whilst some people maybe think Apple don't communicate very much, clearly the developers do listen and, and are very much watching what people are saying and, and are trying to implement mm-hmm. these changes.
2: One thing I would like to see, and I definitely remember writing it in a le- an email to accessibility.apple.com was the is the labeling of like unread items so instead of saying messages or mail you know two unread messages i would like to See, so go back add. to two new items. Yeah, again. I think yeah. we
0: mentioned that last time, and, and that's interesting. Is a, these are what I would call usability issues. Yeah, yeah. that's where um, maybe your uniformity with Mac would kind of come in. Would be because
3: they've much stronger kind of verbosity levels and things yes, like that. On a bit more of that, absolutely, they That would be
0: great. Yeah, absolutely. So, is the update worth it for people who haven't updated? Should they go for it? Is it okay? If you really use a Bluetooth keyboard
3: all of the time, mm, I would say don't. Think, yeah. think hard about it. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, definitely, um, if
2: you're not using, if you don't have the option to switch between either a Bluetooth keyboard and a Braille display, or you know um, maybe that and a Braille input keyboard, even I would caution against it. I think.
0: Okay. Well, uh, the update is there. If you haven't updated yet, you can get it either over the air in your software updates or via iTunes. Uh, but do be aware of that Bluetooth keyboard issue. It's one of the one of the real big ones, I think. In, in seven point one, we we'll get you back for iOS eight, guys. <laughs> Looking forward <laughs> to it already. Whenever yeah, that whenever that is. Okay. Thanks a million.
4: Thanks. Man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Now, more of us are using our mobile devices to take pictures and particularly to do OCR. One of the challenges, and I've certainly experienced this on the few occasions I've tried to use my iPhone to do OCR, is that I just don't know how to hold it and where to hold it. And my scanning results, to be honest, have been disastrous. Last June on our podcast, Sandy Tompkins introduced us to something called the Stand Scan Pro, which was a device that allowed you to hold your phone stationary whilst taking pictures and performing OCR. Today, however, we're going to hear about a similar product called the Giraffe Stand and its creator is Sam Jules, who joins me from London on Skype. Sam, you're welcome to the podcast.
5: Hi, Stuart. How's it going?
0: Very good. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today.
5: Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. yeah.
0: So tell me about the Giraffe Stand.
5: I've got it in front of me. It's about as wide as an A4 page is wide and about as thick as a DVD case. It's folded up at the moment. And it's made from what feels initially like um, corrugated cardboard, but it's actually a plastic equivalent of corrugated cardboard.
0: The stand itself—you um, said it's folded up. You you, you unfold it, and, and does it sort of does it stand upright, and the phone slots into it, or how does that work?
5: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if I unfold it, um, it's then as wide as like two sheets of A4 paper end to end. And then in a single motion, if I keep going, I you're, hopefully you'll hear the magnets go click.
0: Okay. There we uh, go.
5: And then I stand it up. Um, so, yeah, it's got a cradle where you put your iPhone at the top and then kind of a long neck. That's why I've called it the giraffe stand. And then at the bottom, there's a kind of wide, flat piece of plastic. It's about as big as an A5 sheet, um, but it can scan anything up to A4 size. So... Um, you just put the top half of your A4 page onto the A5 sheet of plastic.
0: And when it's in the stand itself, because I'm just trying to get my head around the idea of the lighting, um, is there a particular sort of, is it is it um, exposed to less light? Is is that why maybe, other than obviously keeping the phone to a certain angle, is is there a greater chance of scanning success because the light is constant or is restricted?
5: So... I understand that the scan, Stand scan pro has led lights inside it and a little battery pack. Right. Um, this one, uh, I, I don't really think it's all that necessary to pr- to have extra lights. So, um, I just recommend that people switch on the lights in their home. If they can do it in daylight, then that helps a lot. And if they can do it by a window, then that helps. Um, but it'll scan at nighttime as well. If you switch the lights on in your home and, uh, it normally gives pretty good results, but sometimes you do get the neck of the thing casts a shadow across the document, but um, if the shadow is quite mild, it'll still do a fine job.
0: Okay, so phone slides in, paper or whatever you're scanning goes in underneath and, and sits on this on the bottom, I suppose, and, and you take your picture, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Have you a preferred app or are you? Is, is there anything that you've tested that works particularly well?
5: Yeah, there's a few. Uh, my favorite is Prismo, which costs about £8. Uh, that's the one that seems to give the very best results. For instance, if you've got an address, your own adri- if you've received a letter with your own address on the left and the company address on the right, um, some of the cheaper apps will mix up the two addresses because they'll read straight across the page, whereas Prismo will read you your address and then the other address. There's a couple of other apps, one's free, which is called image to text or one word, and then there's one that's Three pounds, which is called Perfect OCR.
0: And I suppose with all these apps, it depends on what you're scanning as well, doesn't it? Because some of them would be optimized to do certain types of scanning, I think, aren't they?
5: Yeah, I think Prisma is pretty good at most things. Um, But yeah, most people want to try out a free app before they uh, pay the eight pounds.
0: Okay. What's your device compatible with in terms of, are we going from iPhone 4 upwards or, or what, you know? What exactly. Company?
5: Yeah, that's right. IPhone any 4. iPhone from iPhone 4 upwards, yeah.
0: And right up to 5C and 5S.
5: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. So I have to ask you, because um, just even chatting to you here, you kind of remind me of inventor Tom from The Apprentice. Uh, <laughs> what What got you into into designing a stand for the iPhone for visually impaired people?
5: <laughs> yeah, good question. So... Uh, My first degree was engineering, and then I won... James Dyson was always a big role model of mine, and he studied at the Royal College of Arts. He he did furniture design, but ended up making a military boat before making the vacuum cleaners. Anyway, so I went to RCA and did product design, and there's a group there called the Helen Hamlin Centre that uh, really advocate inclusive design, um, just think that we can make design go further and push it harder and make it do more if we include everybody really so i got involved in working with blind people about three years ago now and um i was working with a lady called shaney who wanted to sing her she sings with a choir they've given her large print um words for the pieces she sings with the choir but it's still not enough for her the large print so uh, this was basically developed with her in mind initially so she could read her choir notes.
0: Fantastic. And when we heard about you initially, it was through one of our listeners, Eleanor Burke, who sent me an email and put us in touch. And so I understand Eleanor has been using the device and one or two other people. What What's the feedback so far? Yeah, very
5: good. Yeah, they really like it. And they've um, been really great at giving me feedback and testing it out. I've made a lot of changes um, just finalizing it and making it work really, really well since Eleanor and the others have added their feedback. And, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, much simpler and easier to use now, which is great, and it fits through the letterbox. Um, yeah.
0: Well, listen, The I guess <laughs> the last question, because there's probably people listening to this saying, I want to get this device. Uh, how do they get it, and how much does it cost?
5: So I'm hoping to have a website up in the next week or two. Um, And that'll have all the details with some videos if you want to hear it in use and some FAQ, Frequently Asked Questions. Um, And then people can just email me and uh, I can take a payment over PayPal. At the moment, I'm selling it for £30 um, and then I'll put it in the post to you.
0: All right. And at time of recording, I think that's somewhere around 38, 39 euros on the exact calculation. So so, so right now, I suppose, and, and I know the website is being developed. Can, what's the email address people can get in touch with if they want to buy the product over PayPal?
5: So they can just email me at sam.jewel, so that's J-E-W-E-L-L, at gmail.com
0: fantastic sam it's a great idea um I, I bought prismo recently my scanning results were dreadful because i didn't have your device so maybe i need to buy it so listen thanks a million for chatting to us uh, all the best for the future and uh let's keep in touch okay
5: thanks very much yeah you too best of luck with everything
0: now that was sam Jewell talking to me from london many thanks sam and uh I say it again he he reminds me so much of Inventor Tom from The uh, Apprentice. If if you watch the BBC Apprentice, I think he was on two years ago and he won the series. Now, uh, let's get a user's perspective on the giraffe stand using the Prismo app. And Derry Lawler, friend of the podcast from Dublin, recorded this short demonstration.
4: Hello, Stuart and uh, technology podcasters. Uh, Derry Lawler again, uh, just for another um, demonstration using my iPhone and this time scanning. This one, I'm going to use a gadget I bought online um, called a giraffe stand. And the top part of the stand, where the giraffe's head would be, let's still use that. there's a little um, rest for your iPhone 5, 5s, 5c, and I presume so on and so forth. And at the bottom, there's an area where you can put your sheet of paper. So I'm going to get my sheet of paper. Now my sheet of paper is lined at the base. I presume it's it's definitely print side up. And I'm using the iPhone five, which is what I have. So I'm going to um unlock that. The app I use is called Prismo, P R I Z M O And I'm going to go into that using the handwriting. So P eight okay. what app?
1: Prismo. Here we Opening are. Prismo. 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 Settings. Button. So
4: Prisma has a few little buttons at the bottom left. Um, quick, capture. quick capture. Voice reader. Button. Voice reader. Quick create new document. Button. Create Button. new document. Rename document. Business card sample. Button. Business card sample. Button. And then it has settings. Quick capture. Button. The setting we're interested in is called Quick capture. Now I'm going to rest the iPhone in the crate as I said at the top, which is done now. I'm going to press the quick capture button, double tap that. Quick capture button. Camera. And double Page double tap it again.
1: Enabled. Selected language is English. Page format is A4. Flash is auto. Take picture. Heading.
4: Now you hear that tree tone do do. So it's processing Cancel. now. Result. Now it has a result. So I'm going to take the camera the phone away now. I'm going to flick to the right.
1: Close button. Close. Hello, my name is Derry Lawler. Today I am using a new stand called the Giraffe Stand. I am using an app called Prismo, which you can get from the App Store. Now back to you, Stuart.
4: So it read it there, but maybe you don't want that voice.
1: Read button.
4: And there's a read button. So we're going to press that now.
1: Voice reader. Heading. Close. Hello, my name is Derry Lawler. Hello, my name is Derry Lawler. Today I am using a new stand called the Giraffe Stand. I am using an app called Prismo, which you can get from the App Store. Now
3: back to
4: you, Stuart. Text field. Previous paragraph. So that's Prismo. You can scan many times using the simple scan method or turn a page of a book. I wouldn't read a book this way. It's handy for posts, for checking the envelope. It's handy to read quick letter to see if it's the right one. It has its own inbuilt speech. If you wanted to buy another synthesizer, if you wanted Daniel or the usual ones. But it's very handy for reading, and it's so simple. Prismo, P-R-I-Z-M-O. You can get it from the App Store. It's not that expensive. It is; it does cost something. But um, and the stand is called Giraffe. Okay, Stuart. I hope uh, that shows shows off a bit of the stand and how good it is at reading. If everybody wants to contact me on Twitter, it's Derry Lawler. D-E-R-R-Y, capital D, L-A-W-L-O-R. Our Gmail address is lawlerderry at gmail.com.
0: Finally on our technology podcast this month, here's something of a different type of interview. I'm delighted to introduce Sharon Lyons, ICT tutor at our Rehabilitation Training Centre. Over to you, Sharon.
6: Hello, podcasters. Uh, You're listening to the NCBI Technology Podcast, and I've stolen the microphone from Stuart for this article. I'm going to interview Stuart about the new Microsoft Surface tablet that he's been uh, exploring recently. So thanks, Stuart, for taking your time to, to talk about the, this new tablet.
0: Thank you very much, Sharon. Very nice to see so you've, you've really turned the tables on this one, I have to say. <laughs> I don't know how I feel, but it's great to be on the other side of the microphone. The victim,
6: uh, the, the, yeah. the, the interviewee, I Yeah, say. yeah. Um, so I'll just start by describing the tablet itself. Um, it's, I always think tablet computers uh, are, are like, they look like a placemat that you would have on the table you put your plate on and they may be a little bit thicker than that and a bit heavier or maybe they remind me of of kind of looking at a picture frame if you had quite a, a metal picture frame would be about the same weight and you kind of hold it like you would if you were looking at a picture and um, this Microsoft surface tablet is it's about uh, 17 centimetres by 27 centimetres size-wise and it's just under a centimetre thick so it's quite a, it's quite a, a nice size to, to hold um, and it weighs about 700 grams and that, in old money that's about 10 by 6 inches so hence why it reminds me of a picture and it's about a third of an inch thick and weighs about one and a half pounds Okay, so now that should cover most of the audience. Um, Now the the main surface of (laughs) the surface, the main screen of the surface is a touch screen, and it also has a little camera in the top in the middle. So if you were using it to make video calls, Skype calls, um, you would hold it in front of you, and the camera obviously would be able to then project your image across the internet. It has some buttons on the edges and some slots as well, um, ports. And I guess that's an on button <laughs> at the top.
0: Yes, there's an on button, there's a volume button at on the volume, side. Yes. If people are familiar with the iPad, and there's a slot for uh, SD card and USB and indeed HDMI, so you can connect ah. it to your TV if you wish as well.
6: Okay, and it has a headphone.
0: It has a headphone jack, Socket. yes. Uh, jack, yeah. Yep.
6: Now, we've got an extra bit here, <laughs> an extra accessory that clips onto the side of the tablet that we'll be talking about. Oh, gosh, that did really did clip. Yeah, didn't it's, it? um,
0: <laughs> it's magnetic. Um, and this is, the, this is, Sharon, what's called the type cover. I should say, first of all, uh, two things. First of all, we, we are testing this tablet thanks to some very good friends at Microsoft Ireland. So We have to acknowledge mm-hmm. them because they've loaned it to us for the last little while. And I, I have to say, I've really enjoyed playing with this. And I've been using it pretty much every day. Sharon. See me walking around with this thing under my arms. Okay. So thank you very much to Microsoft Ireland, first of all. The second thing is they gave us, with this, they gave us what's called the type cover. There are two types of covers you can get with the Surface, Sharon. One is the touch cover. Mm-hmm. So it is a keyboard, but it doesn't have actual physical press. So you, you touch the keys... You can feel the keys, but they don't press down. Mm-hmm. That's okay, but it's not the best one for a blind person, to be honest. The touch, the sorry, the type cover is much better, but it is also more expensive. So when you buy a Surface, you will not get any... Well, you're obviously offered the chance to buy a cover as an additional accessory, but it doesn't come with it. Uh, the, the touch cover is about €70, Euros and the type cover is about 115 mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you, you would, I think... For best use, especially if you're totally blind, want to buy the type cover.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: And
0: then it folds over and covers the screen when you're not using it.
6: And keyboard has a, quite a nice feel to it here.
0: Um, yeah. The, the one thing about using the Surface is that when you're using it on your lap, if you're sitting on your couch or something, and I've been doing this at home, it's quite top-heavy because mm. the, the, the actual tablet is resting on the edge of your knees and the keyboard is up close to sort of your stomach. Um, so it's much easier to use this on a table right, than on yeah. your lap.
6: Yeah, because the tablet itself weighs about, like I say, one and a half pounds and the, the keyboard is, is very kind of neat and light. Yeah, so you would basically open it out flat on, on the table. But that's why it worked quite well for you. I've seen you sitting with this in front of you <laughs> quite a lot recently.
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And it, it's really nice to work on.
6: And it does, it, it then folds over. So you heard it click. Maybe I'll do that again. Like I just put the side of the tablet towards the, the keyboard cover and it, it clips in very sturdy. And then you can fold the keyboard over so it sits on top of the touchscreen and then it, it protects... Touch screen the main screen of the tablet so tablet computing generally, um, why would someone want to get a tablet as opposed to like, a laptop or, or even their smartphone?
0: Well, every time I see a tablet, and I, I think I remember reading something, Sharon, that it said they were people were thinking of designing them for it to fit on the little tables you have on airplanes, and the idea was that you have uh, business travelers you know, wanting to do some work on a flight or maybe watching a video. Now, I think it would be difficult to use that with a type keyboard uh, on Mm. a a flight. There's just not enough room on the table, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I suppose they're useful if you want uh, ultimate portability. Yes, laptops nowadays, things like Ultrabooks are are very portable. But this is probably a little nicer to... I I literally am walking around with this thing under my arm like Mm -hmm. a book. And I put it on a table and, and literally, Sharon, from the time I turn it on to log in with jaws speaking is about four seconds. It's incredible right. because it doesn't have a hard drive. Obviously, it's all solid state uh, RAM, I suppose, inside it.
6: Oh, right. OK, so it, uh, it starts up very quickly and, and then you're away.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
6: As opposed to a laptop or a desktop where you have to wait a few minutes or maybe go off and make a cup of tea.
0: Y- <laughs> in like some like that. cases. Yeah. <laughs>
6: Okay. And then it's very handy as well, you're saying, that to, to carry around, so uh, the ultimate portability. Um, but then what about your smartphone then? How would it compare to your smartphone?
0: I, If I was to compare it to the smartphone, I would say there are certain things I will still use my smartphone for, especially Braille access. I haven't really played enough with Braille access with JAWS on the surface, right. although I'm told it is definitely supported, so that's something I need to do. Okay. I suppose the thing about using the smartphone on the web is that you get the mobile versions of websites. In fact, you and I were only talking about that the other oh, day. yes, yeah. Mobile this, and, and that annoys me sometimes, I have to say.
6: Right, you're kind of tied into almost.
0: Yeah, whereas on the Surface, you're getting the full thing. And it's probably important to understand and maybe to explain at this moment the difference. There are two, two Surfaces you can get. There's the Surface Pro and the Surface RT. Mm-hmm. The Surface RT is cheaper by about at least €200. Euro but it has a, a cut-down version of Windows. Um, so one of the differences is that you will have your more a more mobile experience, right. but you won't be able to install your assistive technology like JAWS. Oh,
6: okay. On the
0: Surface Pro, which obviously is more expensive, you are essentially getting a desktop in the laptop. You're getting a full version of Windows uh, 8 Professional, 8.1, and you can install JAWS, and you can install other things, like I have Office 2013 on it, I even the other day, Sharon. I've Sound Forge on it. I edited a piece for this very podcast on the train the other day, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I, I'm, I just thought that was brilliant.
6: Wow! And That's and awesome.
0: it was, you know, Sound Forge is a big package. It's a memory hungry program because it edits audio, and it was great.
6: So you have kind of a, like you say, that you have your desktop in in a tablet.
0: Yeah, exactly. That you
6: can take away with you. Exactly, okay. Yeah, and I think that the pro. Um, it, it has quite a powerful processor in it, doesn't it? It um,
0: does. Now, I mean, if I'm going out or if I'm going somewhere and I'm going to be moving around a lot and I don't have much space or I don't have much room, I mightn't bring the tablet. I might use my phone and my Braille display. Mm-hmm. But if I want full access to Microsoft Word, edit a Word document, uh, I don't know, use uh, you know uh, um, spreadsheet or, or, as I said, SoundForge or whatever, and I'm on the move, the tablet is great.
6: It has its, it has its place Beside your 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 desktop at work and your your iPhone, which is probably the most the handiest thing that you can bring around with you then you've got that extra level of functionality right. in um, the tablet, Stuart.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, and when you talk about having its place with the desktop, when you get your tablet, and if you are a, a user of, of Microsoft Windows and Microsoft services already, and if you have a Microsoft account, and anyone using Windows 8 will probably have this already, you can sign into your Microsoft account and you get SkyDrive automatically, or OneDrive as they're calling it now, which is cloud storage. So I edited a, a piece for the podcast on the tablet the other day. I went home, turned on the computer in my Recording studio, stroke, spare bedroom. (laughs) Uh, And um, it just appeared on on, on the desktop. Fantastic. It it didn't do anything.
6: yeah, instant access from from multiple devices. Now, just carrying on with the whole comparison thing, Stuart, um, you have the keyboard attached to the tablet, and I'm sure we've talked over... um, over the time about how keyboard access can be much handier than touchscreen access have you tried the touchscreen access on the surface without the keyboard this is a really in conjunction r- with
0: yeah, this is a really good question uh, not really, I have to say. I've done a little bit of playing. So my screen reader of choice is JAWS, and JAWS has built in since version 15 some touchscreen access. Right. So you can navigate uh, paragraphs, you can change speech settings, and it's a little bit like iOS. You uh, you flick around and you double tap when you want to activate something. Mm-hmm. I'm not confident enough with it yet, and the big issue for me is that the on-screen keyboard is not yet accessible with, with JAWS.
6: Right. Interestingly,
0: right. with Narrator, Windows built-in screen reader, it is accessible. Okay. <laughs> so, well, so Microsoft, I and mean, it's really fair to say that Microsoft are doing a really good job with Narrator. It's getting better and better, and mm. they are, you know, they, they they see potential. I think in having an inbuilt screen reader in their OS. So right, yes. that that is improving.
6: So it's, it's kind of watch this space, maybe, for these things to, yeah. to become a bit more seamless. Yeah.
0: I would not be able to use this without a keyboard, I suppose, to answer your question at the moment.
6: Right. I'm probably the same, actually, because if anyone knows me, I'm a bit of a fan of the keys. You
0: like your buttons.
6: <laughs> I like my buttons, <laughs> yes. <laughs> actually, I should say, on the key, the type cover, Yep. Yeah, so this little mini keyboard, which is actually very nice to type on, there is also a little touchpad like you'd get on a laptop, So just in the bottom, there is a a touchpad with your two mouse buttons below it. So you can use it in a a very similar way to your laptop if you're you're used to using a touchpad. I guess the the touchscreen capabilities, dare we compare it to...
0: (laughs) (laughs) To others, to the (laughs) competition. To (laughs) the others, yes. Yeah, I mean, so it's probably fair to say that Apple have been in this game for, for quite, a, quite a bit longer. Mm-hmm. So it would be it would be probably unfair to compare them in a way, um, except to say that the experience on Apple probably is, is at the moment, is a lot more consistent and, and you will get better results. But, you know, I think, I believe this is catching up. This is exciting technology. It's, it's really exciting technology for PC users. I've never used an iPad, really. My fiancé wow. has an iPad mini, which mm-hmm. she loves. Uh, mm-hmm. She brings everywhere with her, and I... I, I I haven't used it enough to to really comment on it, but from a a phone user, touchscreen phone user, and then going to the gestures on the the surface, they're not just quite ready yet, I think. Right. But they're getting there.
6: Yeah. So we talked about um, the different applications you use, um, and you can access... You access your email.
0: Yeah, I um, have uh, Outlook 2013. I right. have all my my two a couple of profiles set up for for email here, for NCBI, mm-hmm. for my own personal email, and it just it just works. It, it and it it's Sharon. It's just like using your your desktop. Your desktop, it, it, yeah. So,
6: so if you're used to like a Windows desktop, yeah. then it's it's almost like it. It's like a mini desktop. Then. Yeah. And of course, you were saying you used your Sound Forge, so um, something that's not necessarily a, a Windows product. Um, you, you installed onto
0: this that, surface. That was really liberating for me because mm. I was talking to the gentleman from Microsoft Ireland who, who sort of um, gave us this unit to test and I was telling him about SoundForge and I was, we, we were sort of wondering, um, you know, w- will this work on, on a tablet? So, mm-hmm. so he was very excited, I think, to find out about that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, SoundForge is a, a quite a processor-intensive app mm-hmm. and right. uh, it yeah. worked with no problems.
6: That's excellent. Yeah, that's good to know. A good, a good test <laughs> for it. Um, and have you been able to access uh, internet-wise? Have you been able to access everything easily on yeah, the tablet?
0: I have. I've had no issues again because you're running fu- essentially a full version of Windows, full version of Explorer. It doesn't know that you're using a, a tablet. It just, right. they're, they're, so you, we talked earlier about these mobile sites. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You get the full sites this time.
6: What about the the? Um, speed have we mentioned speed
0: yeah well uh, you know the we said four,
6: to, four, four to five
0: seconds, seconds to yeah, boot yeah. um, I've found it pretty good this is the surface one so this is the one they released in mm. I think late yeah. 2012 the Surface 2 came out a little while ago. That has a kickstand, so the actual tablet bit stands up and apparently uh, has a, yes, yes. a faster processor. The one thing I would say about this is the battery life is, is not brilliant, and mm-hmm. I, I read that the Surface 2 has much better battery life, so okay. that might have been something they were fine-tuning. Right. Uh, you, you do you know carry your charger with you if you're using one of these things because you, you generally need it. Mm-hmm, uh, I get mm-hmm. about... T- two hours maybe out of the battery two and a half hours
6: okay that's about the same as my old laptop yeah, anyway yeah, so. yeah.
0: which is fine you know? yeah
6: yeah it would be enough for a meeting or something yeah, yeah.
0: but it for example for loading up things like word uh i haven't had any difficulty in terms of speed it's it's again it's a solid state so it's right. a lot quicker you're not having to physically access say sectors on a hard drive
6: you okay know? so that that would make a big difference mm. yeah the storage as well
0: What's yeah, storage this, this is the 64 gig version, and I think the, the uh, Surface 2, I think, has 128 gig. I must say I'm not 100% certain on that. Right. Uh, but this is, this one is the 64 gig, and I have more than enough storage on that. Obviously, you can connect external peripherals as well through USB, so you could have a okay. hard drive if you wanted.
6: Right, sure. an external hard drive, yeah. yeah. And um, and as you say, a lot of your storage you were storing in, in the cloud. As it exactly, was. So,
0: so I was using SkyDrive or uh, OneDrive as it is all the time.
6: Right, so that's very handy. So the storage is... In that case, is, uh, it's not so much of an issue. No. And finally, Stuart, um, I was going to ask the, <laughs> the big question. How much does it cost?
0: Okay, well, I, my understanding is that Microsoft are dropping the price of the One, the Surface One, okay. uh, a bit like what Apple did with the older iPads when they launched their new iPads. So on Microsoft Ireland website at the moment, and Microsoft.ie, and we, um, we can put that in the show notes, actually, mm-hmm. I think... The price is coming in somewhere around 500, between 580 and 600 euros. I I don't think that includes your your type or touch cover. So you'd have to, when you check out, you are um, invited to add those as separate accessories. But if you have a Bluetooth keyboard and you're happy to type on that, you could pair that to the device and not use a touch cover at all or type cover. I like the cover because it it folds folds. over there the screen it it's does just, it's it is nice
6: it is very neat i have to say the way it's it, it is it's very much like a um an ipad cover you yeah, know? Uh, yeah and then your screen is protected and i like the idea that they have a um, a little stand then on the new ones though about for for holding the screen at a, a certain level so for certainly for sighted users then you can you can look at the screen in front of you without it having to be flat. Well,
0: it's interesting, Sharon, and, uh, that you mentioned because I was thinking for sighted users and maybe for low vision users that might be quite a tricky thing. The thing is flat on the table; you'd be sort of l- looking down all the time to look yes. at it whilst you're working. So I can imagine for sighted users, mm-hmm. this uh, touch stand or kickstand, sorry, will yes. be will be brilliant.
6: Okay, I think that's uh, that's um, that's been very good, Stuart. Thank you very much for giving us an overview of the surface. And I guess it's a case of. Um, watch this space to see the accessibility improve um, and it, it's good to have all these alternatives out there and these different, uh, these different models with the, the keyboard um, incorporated into a cover. So thanks very much for your time today Stuart and um, we'll see, see what happens in the future.
0: Many thanks, Sharon. It's a pleasure. Many thanks to Sharon Lyons there for helping me to explore the features of the Microsoft Surface Pro. Do hope you found that interesting. I have to say it was Sharon and her husband Trev's idea to turn the tables and uh, I guess uh, reverse the interview strategy that we usually use. So I must say I enjoy being a participant on Sharon's production. So many thanks for that, Sharon. Next month, I'll be talking to you about gestures using screen readers on the Microsoft Surface tablet and we'll get to hear how that might sound. And also coming up next next month, Dave Nason is back with us again, this time to speak about jailbreaking. And we'll find out all about what jailbreaking is on the May edition of our technology podcast. Speaking of May, uh, we normally try to produce our podcast on the first of the month, or certainly very close to the first of the month. We're going to be slightly later in May, uh, because I'm away at the very beginning of the month. So we hope to be with you sometime around the 8th of May. Uh, so do not panic, your technology podcast is on the way. Now, uh, this month's episode on our show notes is full of useful links. So make sure you go and check them out. There's uh, lots of stuff there for everybody. Many thanks to all our contributors this month. Emma Tracy, Kerry Doyle, David Nason, Sam Jewell, Derry Lawler, and of course, Sharon Lyons. That's all from this month. This is Stuart Lawler saying take care. Thank you for listening. Have a good month and speak to you in May. Bye bye.